This is for Sociology 110. We're talking about George Farkas's article, The Black-White Test Score Gap. We just made the point that according to figure three, that um, not only is social class a factor in how often parents speak to their children and the test score gap that results, but also race is a factor. And he decides that from seeing the fact that um, middle-class black children have scores that are comparable to working-class white children. So why does that happen? Well, on page 14, he gives his explanation under where it says, recent evidence, and um, pretty much the last two sentences, well, if you count off in the bottom of the paragraph, it's about six lines. And it says, rather, parents with lower education and income tend to talk less and use a smaller vocabulary with their children than do middle-class parents. Lower-class parents typically teach their children fewer of the skills and behaviors that schools and teachers expect and that test scores measure. So he's blaming uh, the parents and how often they speak to their children. And his evidence for this is uh, research that he talks about in the next paragraph. So let me just read you a sentence. Developmental psychologist Betty Hart and Todd Reesley had their research team spend one hour every month in a homes of 42 families as the ch child in the family grew from one to three years old. So they would tape record for one hour every month. And this is how they get their data. Now, uh, maybe some of you are familiar with the Hawthorne effect from Sociology 101. The Hawthorne effect tells us that the presence of a researcher may affect the behavior of the people being studied. And it's quite possible that professional uh, people are more comfortable with the researcher in their home than a working class parent would be, and therefore would talk uh, as they usually do. So it's quite possible that people's behavior changes depending on who the people are and who the researchers are. And they don't seem to take that into account, nor do they take into account the size of the family or there might be other children in there to talk to the other children, but they're only measuring how often parents speak to their children. If older children are talking to younger children, then there's probably a lot of things that parents don't need to say, nor are they taking into account that uh, working class parents usually spend more hours at work and might be exhausted when they get home, and uh, usually both parents are working, and they just don't have the time to speak to the children as much. So uh, all these are important factors that they fail to discuss. So personally, I'm not really convinced by this research. But let's uh, look further. He also talks about how teachers uh, think about children. This is on page 16 of the article. The uh, first paragraph on page 16 Second sentence, it says, Teachers believe that black students who are less likely than white students to persist at tasks, be eager to learn or pay attention, and more likely to argue, fight, or get angry with others. These patterns were found even when the black children came from similar social class backgrounds as the white children, and when the teacher doing the rating was black. Uh, it, it's quite possible that children growing up in a racist society that black children might be angry about that. I can't imagine 
why they wouldn't be. So he seems to be blaming the characteristics of the children and not paying much attention to the kind of society they live in. So this is also something I find uh, less than convincing in terms of evidence. Um, on page 17, this is a really weird uh, example, I think. Uh, he's got the work of a first grade student on the left and the work of a fourth grade student. And this is to prove that, that when, you, when you hire people to work with these children, their skills increase. But I would think any fourth grade student's essay would be a lot better than any first grade student's essay. So uh, I'm not sure his point is well made there. Um, let's get to the uh, uh, where he really makes his point most succinctly. This is on page 18. Um, and at the end of the f first paragraph there, he writes, the latter study suggests that so long as blacks continue to close the economic gap with whites, successive generations of black students will narrow and eventually eliminate the test score gap. And then he writes, however, there is also reason to be less optimistic. So he's saying that it'll take more than closing the economic gap. Then he brings up the idea of an economic basis for the test score gap. He actually argues against that, okay? And this is from a book by Hernstein and Murray called The Bell Curve, um, which actually I think I'm going to end this session now and talk about that in our next session. Okay, bye-bye.